Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. In the first expansion, you can command the rolling armies of the kitchen-hunting Munchlax, as represented by their general and commander, Fox Lee. And when you say rolling armies, you mean quite literally. <laughs> the hyper-technological, stylish Z-Rust of the 1970s, Blake 7-inspired Spacefarer army, commanded by Jeb Wrench, can be available for, to you for only $15 in DLC. Uh, it's a GameStop exclusive, so um, it means that you cannot actually acquire it at GameStop. And I, of course, will be the default free download that comes with a crotch gun. I'm Talon Lee. See, that's a reference to yeah. Far Cry 4, which was uh, yeah. criticized. Fox is giving me just this look, so... Uh, I'm trying to imagine crotch gun, and I was imagining a goofy game, and then you said Far Cry, and I'm yeah. like, that's nominally serious. So when Far Cry 4 launched with its no-information teaser poster, which was extremely upsetting to a lot of people who have anything oh. to do with India, the only information we had about the game beyond this picture... A picture it was a deal was a pre-order bonus of a naval harpoon gun that was crotch mounted. Oh. Um, yeah, not a good scene. <laughs> Hell, Why would you level. open with that? <laughs> oh boy, you, you might not remember this, but this was also the period when Evolve announced itself with seven pre-order bonuses before <laughs> they announced what the game was. I. Okay, yes, but at least there were pre-order bonuses you might, like, might be desirable. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> I, I could, people are screaming at me now that how could I not think that a crotch-mounted harpoon is desirable. <laughs> we're talking like, you know, ship-mounted gun. This is a big thing. It's very compensatory. My crotch is not a ship. <laughs> to be, to be fair, I, to be but, fair. T- t- just, just don't touch that, please. Don't worry, I won't. Tr- I won't touch any ships or crotches in this conversation. Yep. To be fair, though, the concept of Evolve turned out to be kind of neat. I don't know if the yeah. game's any good because I still didn't bother to play it. Mm. But a group of people hunting something ginormous is always cool. So yeah, maybe it's good. Uh, it Evolve, especially since another player gets to play something ginormous. Yeah, Evolve is that particular thing I really like, which is asymmetrical multiplayer. Mm, oh, there needs to be more asymmetrical multiplayer. And and board game designers, y'all need to get onto asymmetrical multiplayer because it's really cool. Uh, and like, do it well, not like Betrayal at the House on the Hill. I may have cited hey. the elusive topic <laughs> <laughs> off in the distance somewhere. Hmm. See, that's a call ahead to something that we've definitely planned. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Hey, Fox, have you played any video games this week? Uh, gee, it, it has been another, uh, it has been another week of hunting down additional shrines and Koroks, and y'all don't want to hear about that anymore, <laughs> and, uh, bunch of Fire Emblem heroes, because they keep just throwing orbs at me, and that's orbs. the only thing that really makes the game worthwhile. Orbs! If you actually have to play at the orb. speed they intended you to earn them, it's nonsense. Hail orb. Revile orb, hail cube. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, there's got to be some mobile game that uses cubes instead of orbs for its currency, right? It's got to be something. Galaxy Trucker. <laughs> no, no, I, like the the currency that you buy as a oh a yeah freemium or, or in game transaction, whatever. Mm. Um, like it's, it's always coins or orbs or crystals. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen cubes. Um, I haven't seen cubes myself. It's usually gemstones of some variety in the games I play because I tend to play things with a fantasy bent. Um, so though, a gem world. Though uh, on a on a cul-de-sac, and this isn't a game I've played, but this is a game I feel that some people might want to know about. Um, Vlada Chvatli's uh, monster board game through the ages <clears throat> just had a mobile phone release and a tablet release. Fox is bursting at the seams to correct my pronunciation. <laughs> you, just, you just will never not add the I to the end of his... There's no I there. What's really going to suck is when I have to start doing academic pre- presentations on the work of Ignacy Trezewek. Um, but <laughs> You might be right with that one. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, but uh, Through the Ages comes with a phone game for asymmetrical multiplayer and a versus AI multiplayer. In other words, it's a pretty good Civ game. But notably, in the very first point of the tutorial where it tells you, oh, it'll take several turns to build this large structure, but you can speed up the building by purchasing several of these diamonds. 
Okay, no, you can't. It's not that kind of game. What? <laughs> like, it actually jokes about being oh. a, a freemium game. But no, um, if you've ever wanted a in-your-pocket board game, which I kid you not is 90 minutes per player civilization <laughs> builder, Through the Ages is now available on Android and iOS. And it's like six bucks. Question. Yeah? Uh, is that, is the estimated game time by the publisher 90 minutes per player? The estimated game time by the publisher on the side of the box is 60 minutes, which is a lie. Oh, I see. You're already adjusting for truthiness. It is just a goddamn lie. Um, Shut Up and Sit Down remarked that it's about 40 minutes base and then another hour per player. Uh, Reddit users have remarked that if everyone knows their game and everyone has their early strategy worked out, you can can belt the game down in about an hour per player. But... But yeah, um, and this is—I'm <laughs> not saying that's bad. That's just like that is that is a genre. Yeah, and 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 quite frankly, if there's that kind of game and you can just stick it in your pocket <laughs> and ignore it for a while, oh, that point. doesn't seem like a bad thing. Anyway, yes, that happened this week. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jeb? You've been playing any of the video games? You ever heard of Destiny Two? I have heard of Destiny Two. It's come up. I don't think it'll do too well. You know, it's it's just an obscure sort of game. No one's really into it. Little niche thing. Nobody's nobody's playing it. Right. Yeah. Playing more of that. It's good. <laughs> Destiny. Uh, there was a bit. I have, of course, still been playing uh, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, the the mobile one of the many mobile Final <laughs> Fantasy games. I understand. Many the, many mobile Final Fantasy games. The 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 Destiny twos have introduced a concept called a raid. No, oh, no, they had raids in Destiny one. Oh, oh, right. Oh, sorry. A, a returning concept then. Have you been doing uh-huh. the raids? No, I haven't bothered ah. with that because there's so much other stuff to do. <laughs> well, See, that's pretty uh, cool. Destiny Two has this uh, has this procession where you do some stuff in the storyline, and then you can do a million things, and then those million things you can keep doing, and then you advance the story more, and then all of a sudden you get a million more things to do, and then you advance the story more, and you get a million more more things to do. And when you finally finish the story, that's when you get the last million more, more, more things to do. <laughs> and the million, million things to do are actually and fun? then, uh, generally, yes. Uh, I've found the, the things that I like to do are, like, the, the PvP Crucible and the uh, the world events, which are a lot like Fate's Final Fantasy fourteen, which is just little five-minute world events that, you know, get you shaders and gear and reputation. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, I, I, could, I could actually... Uh, try the raid sometime. I'm at a high enough power level now, but I haven't really been interested in raiding, so I just keep doing stuff and shooting shooting the mans, and they fall down. It's cool that there's plenty to do outside of that. There's there's a ton to do, and I still haven't I haven't done any side questing yet. There are actual side quests in addition to the adventures that you can go oh, on. Those are not among the million <laughs> things to do. <laughs> those are those are uh, the adventures are part of the. The, the first million other things you can do. And then the side ah. quests are the, the, the last set of million things you can do. They're actually different things. That's and, a lot of things. Uh, and there's yes, a football I've also, game? I've, I've been playing... There's, there, 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 is, there is a football or soccer ball or uh, glowing orb that you can you can kick around in the, the hub world. Foot orb! Orb. And uh, when, you, when, you, when, when you put oh, the, no. the, the orb in the, between, the, between the posts, uh, you get fireworks. And that's nice. Ah. I hope one of you took notes about what that topic we were totally definitely going to come back to later is, because I've already forgotten it. <laughs> oh, At least oh, excellent, excellent. Thank you. Thank God for Jeb. <laughs> Thank God for Jeb. Because, you I know, I had, it, I had it in my mind that whole time, and as soon as you said you'd forgotten it, my brain was like, Sorry! <laughs> Fuck you, brain! What are you doing? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> The stack are just shrugging at each other off the chip. There's like a piece of paper that they were meant to hold, and one of them ate it. <laughs> it was rice paper. <laughs> but yes, Jeff? Uh, I still, of course, were playing Brave Exvius, which apparently had their server hacked. Oh, no! Uh, someone hacked their server and gave everyone like 5,000 free... free uh, <laughs> oh, no! Crystals <laughs> or orbs. <laughs> This is a terrible tragedy. And the dev's response was, well, shit. (laughs) 
Well, they 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 fixed their they they fi- they they shut the they shut everything down. They fixed they updated their security, and then they, in order for the to compensate players for the lack of time that they weren't able to access the game, they gave them more free crystals. Aww. <laughs> yeah, nice. good good move, good move. They didn't, well, they their their rationale for not taking any any away from was like, well, they didn't they didn't hurt anybody. They didn't take any information. They just gave everyone crystals. Mm-hmm. We're not going to just take those away. So, which is the smart choice, really? Like, I have a lot of sympathy for the devs in this position. Yeah, because even if players weren't ever ever supposed to have something, it's so hard to take something away from the players after they have it. You just you just might as well give in. You don't have a lot of options to unpee in a pool, right? So I apologize for the unnecessarily vulgar metaphor. <laughs> La- oh, speaking of vulgar, I have some things to say about stories untold. Yes. A game which Talon has previously said was good. Yep. He was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's not nice. We can have different opinions without anyone being wrong, because appreciating games is not objective. I'm, I'm, I'm just letting Jeb roll on this one. It's a, it's a very different experience to him (laughs) than it is to me. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Go on. See, that is, that is literally what Fox was saying. Uh, stories untold, uh, is, uh, as a brief refresher for for the listener, the 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 concept of it is uh, you are accessing a computer terminal in various little subs, little tiny stories. That uh, that computer terminal often will function in a fashion similar to uh, an old 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 uh, text based adventure game. Uh, it's slow, it's unresponsive, and it's frustrating more than anything. And the, the the plots are so thin that I just the most frustrating thing is waiting for the text to appear on the screen so I can do the next thing mm-hmm. while I wait for the inevitable swerve they're trying to surprise Ooh. me with. Um, it's really there's not much to it, uh, yeah. but it dresses it up in a in, like aesthetically it's gorgeous. It dresses itself up in a fantastic coat of paint, but ooh, it's a rusty rusty engine into there. I think one of the things that worked for me was an illusion of tension. I, I'm confident now, not playing it, that if I had stopped at any point I was playing and just left it alone, nothing would, nothing would advance. Nothing was going to leap out of the, out of the game and get no. me. While playing it, I genuinely felt like... I, well, uh, I'm just saying, like, the, the tension shatters when the game starts repeating itself at you because you can't figure out what it expects you to do with one of its obnoxious, uh, date, uh, text entry points. Mm. Uh, the, the thing for once, me... Once though, it started repeating dialogue at me, then... Yeah. The everything for was me shattered. For me. Was that uh, I felt that I... Like, because I still felt that rising tension, because I still felt some degree of threat, every time I got a repeat attention, it was like the killer behind me stalked one step closer, and I had just wasted time trying to... Uh, failing to escape. Uh, this is most keenly felt in the third one. I don't know if you got that far or not. Um, which is code booking uh, your way with a got off the second one. <laughs> okay, the, th- the third one is using a code book and a microfiche and a radio to like decode things in a number station, mm-hmm. and you get very very tiny slivers mm-hmm. of information about what you're actually doing. And that one made me tense as hell because the fiction of what it was doing was very interesting to me. And I, you know, I, I do think it is an illusion of tension that makes that game work for me. Because as you know, if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Right. I mean, that's that's a that's a core tenet to, to horror in general. Yeah, good point. Uh, it just it never really drew me in to something scary. And like the first one, the first one, I kind of figured out the hook basically right away. Mm-mm. So it wound up being an hour of me waiting for it to get to the hook. Ah, uh, that's rough. The other thing is that for me, I I just managed to. I guess, luck into intuitively getting the right prompts most of the way through the game. So for me, these were 15-minute games. Oh. oh, Christ, that would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine it would transform things grotesquely if uh, if this, if you had to repeat everything two or three times. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, it, the fact that or, it was sort of... Like the second... Yeah. <laughs> pitching more on your level made such a difference. To your experience of the game, mm. I was, like the the second one, I had no idea what even expected me to fucking do. Mm. 
Mm. I wanted to be using a walkthrough, and it still took me like 45 minutes. Yeah. And as a game that by definition is an experiment in interfaces, uh, it's going to do stuff that's counterintuitive and non-familiar, and it might be doing that intentionally to like shake you up, or it might just be bad. <laughs> and I suspect that it landed definitely on the bad the, the end problem, of things. There's always a prop. There's there is a problem when people when when developers go for uh, in their 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 experimental experiences go for the well the gameplay is intentionally obtuse it's intentionally awkward it's intentionally janky it's intentionally bad the problem is it's still obtuse it's still janky it's still bad mm. <laughs> um on that front uh one of the other elements here that i think might play into this is i never actually handled these old computers i never had a tape computer uh my earliest computers were actually reasonably comparable to a modern uh uh, PC, just different OSs. So I might have been doing uh, like a, a a tourist's impression of how those things should work, <laughs> whereas someone who's more seasoned and more experienced with the hardware directly might be like, no, it shouldn't work that way. That's wrong. <laughs> I, it was a fairly reasonable approximation. Um, they certainly were slower than uh, the text adventure games of the, the 8-bit computer era were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I will. I will give them credit uh, for like in the first one, the the uh, the uh, Sinclair Spectrum, but not actually the Spectrum. the The model, physical model, was really accurate. Mm-hmm. I also found the typing sound really satisfying. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like this hit a lot of nostalgia points for you as well. Worse, well, the, the worst thing for me is it didn't actually hit nostalgia points. It hit. In, it hit the illusion of nostalgia points. Because like I said, I never handled one of those computers. I no, think- but you do love a chunky mechanical keyboard. Yeah, but the chunky mechanical keyboards I love are from like the 1990s. This thing is a computer that was probably being sold in the 1970s and popular in the 1980s. So it's really interesting to me that I looked at this game and went, oh, this game feels really good and it's really evocative of the technology of the time. And I don't even realize as I say that I'm not expert enough to say that. <laughs> This is like how all the music in Stranger well, the, Things the thing about- is just like slightly more eighties than seventies. <laughs> Go on, Jeb. Stranger Things is set in the eighties. Other way around that. Though I I don't actually I'm not familiar with most of the songs that they chose to play, but somebody commented that for the time it's supposed to be, these are like this is what you would get looking back slightly later after the classics had solidified. <laughs> not actually what was popular at the time. Uh. Uh, the the thing about nostalgia is like the 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 essence of nostalgia is uh, a feeling of like warmth and familiarity, which doesn't actually necessarily mean it has to be a thing that you have experienced. It just has to be something that brings that out in you. Hmm. Well, yeah, most it's of like, the oh, this is this is like what it would be what. I mean, most of the experiences that make us feel nostalgic aren't actually what we experience. They're a version that we'd like to think we experienced. Mm. Mm-hmm. Usually it never was that good. You say this is I've got a mood board of 25 games from 1992 to 1995 open in my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm not saying everything you ever liked, you're fooling yourself because of nostalgia. That's a shitty person thing to do. No, you loved what you loved. <laughs> That's fine, but like the 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 comparison points of like oh it, it was definitely better the first time around the remake is shit garbage <laughs> it, is it you know yeah sometimes the remake is shit garbage sometimes the original was shit garbage too well I mean uh, just two weeks ago I was waxing poetic about how much I loved the Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle remasters yeah great example so so tell now that I have completely destroyed the uh, the. <laughs> the warm feeling of nostalgia that you, you received from Stories Untold. Uh, what have you actually enjoyed lately? Oh, hang on. Fox, is he okay? Oh, no, it's fine. I'm just looking for a pen. I want to write something on my hand so I don't forget to say it. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't think... It's I, too I think, late. I have no pen. We're I done. think you're shit out of luck. Um, <clears throat> uh, so, two things. A-S-Y-M-M. <laughs> Asymmetrical multiply. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the note is passing up the chain. 
I, uh, so on the note of nostalgia, I went back and reinstalled, um, Sam and Max Hit the Road. Because <laughs> if I've gone back and I've replayed Discworld, Day of the Tentacle, and Full Throttle, probably want to round that out with a little extra point and click action and see if it's really as great as I remember it. It is. I did this last year. Um, <laughs> uh, and going back and revisiting the space quests, um, which, Wait, that's all we get for seven? It's just, yes, it's really that good. Moving on. Um, but this is the thing. I, I wanted to bring this up as a point of comparison. So, Space ah. Quest. Space Quest had seven-ish games. You really had six games, but there was work on a seventh. And the first game had zero women in it. Yeah. Period. Not pictures of women, not mentions of women. There were no women in that game. I'm surprised there wasn't even a gratuitous space babe. Mm-hmm. Same thing for... Maybe Space Quest 2. There's a very androgynous alien that kisses you. Space Quest 3 introduces you to traveling around space and interacting with, amongst other things, a computer company full of employees, and there are no women in it either. Cost. Space Quest 4. Why would why would Sierra employees think that there were women in computer... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's ridiculous. Space Quest 4... You travel through time and space to have your most wild adventure ever, where you meet a woman. A woman. Wow. That's wild. In, in Space Quest 4, it is the first woman character. You cannot talk to or interact with her. She cuts you off every time you try and talk to her. You rescue... She, she's very mm. mad at you over something non-specific because it's a time travel story. Ho, ho, ho. Ah. She's drawn like a pinup. Because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's the gratuitous space babes. Yep. And then... You rescue her in a really rudimentary puzzle when a monster attacks you. <sighs> she immediately forgives you for everything that happened and then says, it's okay, it'll never work. Let's let's just uh, move on. And then she goes to the mall and takes you shopping. She leaves you at that point, leaving behind her credit card. Exult stage left, the only woman in the game so far. Oh, wow. That's like a... That's like a drive-by of shitty gender tropes. Like, hold on, we're going through them all at high speed. It gets worse. I'm going to skip all the rest of the stuff in, in Space Quest 4, except to mention that at the end of that game, they introduce a picture of a woman and give her name as Beatrice Wankmeister. No. Just, yep. And then in Space Quest 5, you have Beatrice Wankmeister shows up. You don't get to talk to her, but you do get to talk to your ship's pilot who is a man-hating green alien who literally her first line of dialogue to you is everything is your fault you're a man <laughs> i have a theory is your theory the writers of the space quest games had some issues with sucks? women <laughs> that, that space quest kind of sucks <laughs> the, the two guys from, my theory is the two guys from andromeda got divorced at some point <laughs> just and this and this was like a, a bedrock of, of video gaming. And we want to act like, oh no, back in the days, the pure good adventure games were wonderful and saintly and there was no problem at all in them at all. Puff, puff, puff. I'm like, no, fuck that! Holy shit! Yes, this is back when artists had the freedom to create something that expressed their own integrity. <laughs> yeah. That in a galaxy of thousands of people, no women. Well, two women. Well, and they're both shitty bitches who hate you. Oh, yeah, god damn it. <laughs> and one of them is called Beatrice Wankmeister. Don't worry, not for any real reasons. Don't don't forget, there was also, like, the, the, the Amazon tribe women in one of the space quests. Uh, yeah, that was in... That, that that's was where in, the... We're running the down all the stereotypes here. Man-hating alien babe comes from, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, sorry, the, the, the Amazons are in Space Quest Ten. Oh. the latex babes of Estros. Oh, my. Did they just do a crossover with Leisure Suit Larry? Right. Is that what's happening uh, here? This is where the pinup girl comes from. And when they kidnap you, a very obviously coded lesbian woman ties you down and it threatens to torture you by, dun, 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 shaving your legs. Uh, yeah, Space Quest 4 gets worse. I <laughs> It's just going back and replaying Space Quest 4, like, um, yeah, actually, this is pretty bad. But here's the other thing. Sam and Max hit the road is a game about freelance cops, one of whom is a rabbit, the other of whom is a dog, and it opens by blowing up a mad scientist's head. Uh, yep. Excuse me. Lagomorph. Lagomorph. Yes, he's a lagomorph. He's not a bunny. Lagomorph. But here's the thing. In Sam Max Hit the Road, 
in the introduction, the damsel in distress points out the fallacy of the nice guy. <laughs> and one of the major characters in Sam and Max is a woman who demonstrates agency and makes a plan and enacts it. It's almost like one of these games was actually funny and the other one was mostly treating its shittiness as being humor. Yeah, and that kind of always was Space Quest's thing. Like, it's funny because we killed you without giving you a chance to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's been on my mind a bit. Also, I got Death of the Outsider, but I'm not going to talk about that until I finished it. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> also, Dark Souls 3 was on sale and I picked that up too. I wonder if we can generate a sound effect that's like the sound of of three oh, tiny good. face palms happening simultaneously. <laughs> what what I can tell you so far is that it is extremely weird after watching all the Marvel series to have Rosario Dawson's voice <laughs> in my ear, especially as she's musing about slitting throats. It's a thing. Anyway. I'm psyched for the idea that you play Billy during this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. You'll, you also get some like flashback shots of young Billy Lurk in the in the stylized art that they use. She looks so cool. I love their drawings. I mean, the the models aren't too bad. Like they did a pretty good job of pulling off their chosen art style. But yeah. the like the concepts arts and everything for Dishonored are so cool. And and this is where you get the mention of a thing that I'm not actually oh that well. I don't actually understand all that well, but I've heard it enough that I'm repeating it to sound smart, which is I understand Dishonored's visual aesthetic is based on Dutch Impressionism. The Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. This is what I have heard. Mm-hmm. Asmetrics multiplayer. This is about multiplayer games that don't measure your progress well. No? No, that's not how it works? <laughs> that's that's not what I've used my asmetrics for <laughs> traditionally. <laughs> So, asymmetric multiplayer. Um, this is a topic we talk about in uh, game development and design. Uh, it's basically it's one of the hardest ways to design a uh, a game because effectively you have to design multiple games <laughs> that interact with one another. It's definitely ambitious because usually part of the value of making a PvP game is that you don't have to like you can skip over doing enemy AI and all that kind of stuff if you don't have a single player mode. This is part of why you'll find so many game jam games that are just completely symmetrical multiplayer. It's a lot easier to make in a pinch. Uh, but in this case, you sort of have the worst of both worlds in terms of work. Yeah. Because you, like, you, you still have to balance things against each other while making them completely different. Hmm. And you could, there, there are degrees of this. Like, the original Team Fortress was an asymmetrical multiplayer. And also making them fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to make them balanced unless that's innate of fun. So, at a question, have either of you all got a asymmetric multiplayer game you'd like to talk about or a thing that they did that you like? Actually, can I rewind real quick? Yeah, sure. I want you to tell me how Team Fortress used to be asymmetrical multiplayer. I didn't know this. Okay, so Team Fortress at design was originally made with the idea of it being an asymmetrical multiplayer game because teams would alter their compositions on the fly. So this meant that you would, um, certainly early on when snipers ruled the day, you'd get teams that were mostly about, well, this team has two good snipers, so they're going to hold this entire area. And that means that what you've got to be doing is like rolling charges of scouts. So one team becomes very defensive and one team becomes very aggressive. The idea was that by giving players choices- Oh, like the whole team starts being scout. Heavily, heavily biased towards scouts. Like you get, you get- Is that- Well- this is the thing. This is like a very low key version of asymmetrical multiplayer. I don't think that's necessarily asymmetric multiplayer, though, because everyone has access to the same. Yeah, everyone has access to the same resources. Everyone's drawing from the same pool. Yeah, but the play style for both sides is very different. This is this is why I bring it up as an example of very low key. Um, and you get a strategy, which I'm only going to mention now because the term we had for it was kind of funny in hindsight. Where the plan was, you get one spy and a group of scouts, and scouts can almost. Scouts can, and spies can almost move at the same speed. And the spy would run with a little cloud of scouts around them into the enemy base with the understanding that all of them, all of the scouts would get killed but leave the spy behind to wreak havoc. And this process was no- known as knotting because you'd make a knot of scouts around them. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Jab, I was almost going to say the same thing, but I thought, like, if if the metagame is so rigid... That it's it's a case of swapping to this team structure, which brings with it an inherent playstyle. 
there's a better argument to be made. I, I still don't know if it really counts, because as you say, same resources and same goals, all that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. there's there's more of a morphing aspect in play there than I thought. Well, I, I only bring it up because it's an example of asymmetrical multiplayer at, like, the lowest level. It's basically the easiest way to implement it. It's that, well... In that sense, it's not. I mean, it's not designed asymmetrical multiplayer. Yeah, fair. It wasn't until they got later and started making maps which were explicitly asymmetrical. That this it's just poorly executed symmetry. <laughs> fair enough. It's, uh, I want to say it's uh, metagame-based mm-hmm. asymmetry. What about y'all? Y'all got an uh, a, a, um, asymmetrical multiplayer game that you find particularly engaging? Oh. There, there, are, there are plenty of games that, you know, both players don't start on the same foot but still uh, are playing the same game from the with the, with access to the same resources. Like, most digital card games uh, function that way. They're not asymmetrical, really. Mm-hmm. Right. So for this purpose, what we're really describing is a game with a very specific set of forms of asymmetry. I would say, like, you need to have different goals and you probably need to have different resources because it's not, like... Having different methods is just the same thing that's in every PvP game, more or less. Uh, like, unless you have exactly the same characters for every player or whatever. Like, it's expected that you can do some different shit and get things done in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're all trying to do the same thing, and you're all using the same resources to do it, and you have ostensibly comparable power levels then that's not really... I mean, that's not asymmetrical by design. It's maybe asymmetrical by fuck-up. Yeah. So, like... What am I thinking? Um, Like, Uh, tower defense games, where you're not both building and spawning at the same time, but one person is building, one person is spawning. That is a really basic asymmetrical multiplayer. Yep. So one of the... the, A a popular trend now in... uh, Online multiplayer games, especially, are the uh, the the four versus one uh, serial killer slasher movie simulators. Oh uh, right, yeah. Dead by Daylight and Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, uh, both function this way, where you have two separate teams. Uh, one team is four survivors attempting to escape from the killer, and then the other person is playing the the the, the slasher, and the they operate. Not only do they have different abilities, obviously, because one's a supernatural predator and the other four are just regular people. But, um, in the case of at least Dead by Daylight, <laughs> at least in the case of Dead by Daylight, they play uh, the the survivors play third play in third person, and the killer plays in first person, so that oh. the first person the, the killer's line of sight is basically tunnel vision while the survivors have more awareness around them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Right, so that like that makes a huge uh-huh. change to how you can play a game being stuck in a certain perspective. Yeah. What about you, Fox? You got any uh examples that spring to mind? Um I it always comes to mind of the the Wii U game that that is tragically lost to us now, which I was it Fable Legends, I wanna say? Yeah, it was gonna be Fable Legends. Yeah, and there were many rumblings uh around that time when when the Wii U had the gamepad and this was an exciting thing. Um where where there might be more of those sort of dungeon mastery type games and none of them came to fruition, which is really sad. I mean you you have things like your Neverwinter Nights options and stuff where you can literally GM for a group. But that's I mean I guess that technically counts, but we all know it's not really the same thing that we're talking about. I, th- I think, in a way, it's kind of an origin of. I, th- I think, in a way, the the GMing is kind of an origin for asymmetrical uh, gaming in general because uh, you look at a game like Dungeon Land, which is a game master versus players, right? In like this, in a, a top-down fantasy action, like Diablo-like game. Yeah, yeah, like I. I guess I think of it as being less the same deal because we have a less oppositional uh, tendency with our game mastering. But you're right. Like, if, if you've got a, yeah. a killer GM, then you straight up have, you know, I I play the monsters, you play the, the victims. Yeah, and, and of course, there's a whole range of board games on that vein, which is one of the things I wanted to bring up before we wrapped up this segment mm-hmm. of a game. I just, I, I have not played this game, but I love the idea of it. 
It's called Vast, the Crystal Crack Caverns. And this is a analog board game. I, I believe that they're now being referred to as material games, which I actually reject <laughs> because some games don't use any material. But point is... I think analog is, is a nice way to say it. In Vast, your premise is there is a knight going into a cave full of goblins and a dragon to try and slay the dragon to bring peace to the land. One player plays the knight. Oh, yes, I know this one. One player plays the dragon. One player plays the cult of goblins. And one player plays the cave itself. Yeah, it it sounds really interesting. All four of them have completely different rule sets. I call dibs on cave. <laughs> I knew you would. Well, well the, the, the differences in, in aims and goals. The cave... The cave wants everything to revert back to as close to normal as possible. So the cave is trying to make minimal changes to itself while still keeping the dragon alive. And get the, the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so it's, a, it's often in opposition to, well, the dragon and the goblins and the knight. But sometimes where it, it, like, if it's a matter of like, well, the dragon's going to kill the knight... The, the cave might be like, you know what, That that's acceptable. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> as long as the night is gone, you don't really care if they're dead or not. Well, like, my ideal situation is everyone fucks off. But apparently, if I can only get two of you to fuck off, <laughs> it it looks like such a fun little game. And it's got an adorable little, like, yellow <laughs> knight figurine. And she's really cute. And it's just... Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. Now, t- this is something you could you could kill it with this on a on a games console. I know the possibility for playing the cave in that scenario when you could be like actually warping mm. uh, 3D models or something. Uh, oof. Yeah, I mean that's exciting stuff, and no one would even have to know what you're doing necessarily if we're talking online multiplayer or uh, like you know local Wi-Fi multiplayer or something. <laughs> It's already a thing, isn't it? No, it's just yeah, bringing up Colossal Cave Adventures is quite amusing. Oh, that's another game. Yes. Hey, there you go. <clears throat> See, I, I find my way to the joke eventually. Um, I, I have a question for the for the panel here. Um, do do we consider asymmetrical co op to count? Like, uh, say uh, Mario Galaxy, for example. Absolutely, I I love that stuff. And I want to say there's a Kirby one where you can draw things on the gamepad and. Uh, well, uh, Tal and I once famously, uh, talked about clandestine. The, uh, by the way, the, the Kirby, I think, is, like, rainbow tracks or something. Ah! Okay, uh, Tal and I, uh, once famously, uh, talked about, and I reviewed clandestine for, uh, the PC, which is a, for one player, is a third-person, uh, action stealth up starring this awesome 90s girl named Katya, and the other player plays the nerd in her ear, who does things like hacking uh, through yeah. computer files to look for passwords, and unlocking doors, and taking out security cameras. Ah, it's such a cool idea! How cool would it be if there was, like, a Metal Gear where one of you was Otacon? Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking, nobody dies. Which is actually mm. a computer. It's a video game, but yeah. it's also mm. an analog game. And yeah, so some of the smartest asymmetry stuff I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. Uh, though it does sound like a game you should play only with people you are really good friends with, or people you aren't friends with at all. It seems like an interesting introductory game. Could you could you tell us more about uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes? Oh, sure. This is, uh, so one person's playing with the video game interface, which is, it's made a bomb for you that you can, like, pick up and turn around and look at, and it's got all these components and wires and timers and stuff. Uh, and you have no information about it except what's in that 3D model. And the other player, it has the manual for defusing this bomb, uh, which they have to, you know, look up pages and, and read to you and give you feedback based on what you can tell them about what you're seeing on the bomb. And, like, hopefully you can work all this shit out between you fast enough to not get exploded. It's fucking diabolical shit. It, it is, and it's really sharp, and some of the ways it fucks with you, like, uh, there'll be code words, um, and there you'll have, like, six different options that are homonymous. <laughs> so when you go to the person with the manual, uh, it... It says, oh, fuck, what's the word that would pick a word? There, scale. <laughs> there. 
there is good. Yeah. And and they'll be like, oh, okay, you've got to hold down the red button and wait, shit, which there? Yeah, exactly. And they come up with so many clever ways to, to fake you out like that on both ends. And there's, and there's also in, in the room with a bomb in there with you is an alarm clock. <laughs> yeah, the alarm clock sometimes goes off. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, they're going to screw with you. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to see this game being played, um, the I know that Loading Ready Run did a stream oh, of it. Oh, they've done one? And, oh, i got to see that. And I'm, I'm always really happy when I can reference a Loading Ready Run stream, because I can be like, this one doesn't have slurs and hate speech. <laughs> <laughs> and they're funny. That is a bonus. So, yeah. Uh, if it's a thing you wanted to check out, because it's a very stressful game, and just jumping straight into it might really bother you. But, uh, yeah, it's a good game. It's also one of those excellent games where after the first playthrough, both players are like, you are terrible at that. Give me that. I'll do a better job. And then at the end of the second playthrough, it's, oh, that, sorry. that was real hard. <laughs> Love that. Beautiful design. Beautiful, is- beautiful design. Also worth noting, you- uh, for, for, for Keep Talking Nobody Explodes, it's also a VR game. <laughs> Oh, like you can do with headset? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah that was meant the, to be. The, the bomb <laughs> with your hands. Mm-hmm. That is one of the few really fantastic uses of, of VR stuff that anyone has forwarded to me. I really like that. Yeah. I also, I enjoy that reversal of the roles as an exercise in empathy as well. Yeah. Like, here's my tippy trippy thing for this episode. But I, you know, that's a that's a cool thing that games can do. Just directly forcing you to experience a thing and realize how wrong you were about someone else's experience of doing it, which is pretty sweet and really powerful. You don't really see it coming until it happens. With um, one of our board games that I like bringing up for this front is Mysterium. And yeah. Mysterium, Mysterium <laughs> the, the, the ghost player, is inevitably <laughs> going to get told by someone else, you were a garbage ghost, I could do a better job of being a ghost, I'll be the ghost next time. Everyone and the next thinks time- they'll be a great ghost. Yeah. But the thing is, Mysterium, it's a 60-minute game the first time you play it? Half an hour the second time? <laughs> Two rooms and a boom, it's five minutes. <clears throat> keep talking and nobody dies? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. talking and nobody explodes is is, is a, is a two-minute, yeah, sorry, two-to-five-minute game. So you can get that empathy exchange much quicker. Anyway, Jeb was mm-hmm. saying? I was asking if you, if you found that, because uh, we alternated roles when we played Clandestine. Did you yeah. find that, that actioning was harder than it seemed, than it sounded? <laughs> You switched to uh, you, you might remember when we did play this after <laughs> playing Katya once. I was like, "No, I'm fine with hacking. I'm really <laughs> fine." <laughs> oh, oh wow! I forgot about um, I uh, Starship, uh, not Avalon, Artemis, Spaceship Artemis. Yeah. Yes. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, that's that's multi asymmetrical multi. Yeah. And we had that exact thing with, like, I, it turned out I got pre- pretty decent at doing weapons at the end. And yeah. As soon as I was trying to do something else, I'm like, no, I, you can have engineering back. I don't want it. I understand that I'm a pretty decent navigator. <laughs> so to to provide context, and I swear this will be the last thing. I'm sure we talked about Spaceship Artemis before, too. Yeah, but it's... the have a lot of these things before, is but... <laughs> is that it is a game for N players with N minus one computer interfaces. One player is a captain, <laughs> and their computer just displays things that other players are showing them. So the captain character gets to say, navigation, show me a map, or engineering, bring up the damage report, or weapons, show me show me our, our status. And they get to give orders, but they don't actually get to engage with any physical interface. Everything the captain does, they are doing by referring to another player, which means that the systems for dirtling around and making the engineering work could be really elaborate because they are the entire mental load of one player, mm-hmm. but it means that the captain can say something like, I need those shields up and I need maximum thrust to the, to the engines with whatever's left over. And you can have one player who is literally flipping every dial to bring down like, oh, the lights on the ship are now going to be uh, now going to be darker. That's how thoroughly I'm doing this. And that can be so cool and so fun. I, I really like it. It is an amazing game. And the thing I found most interesting about it was which of us were good at... We, like, we mm. had one person who just slid into that captain role like a Absolute, pro. Absolutely. And everyone else was like, uh, uh, is it my turn? I, I don't know. What can we do? Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, 
if you can play it with a projector. <laughs> Fucking superb. Alright, so, here we go. <clears throat> we don't have a retro gaming news this week. Because <gasps> someone actually sent us mail to the Ask Professor what? Talon. Holy shit! Right? I was going to make a joke about because no games happened this month in any year ever. But like, this is much better. But um, in the in the vein of not wanting to, you know, get into any trend too quickly, I read these and they're much more like advice column stuff <gasps> than they're anything to do with any uh, academic stuff. So much like advice column. So uh, I was going to say, how about I read you these letters and you'll give uh, this the these listeners some advice. Sound good? I mean, we all can. Professor Talon is, is definitely... Question, question Professor. Yes? Question, Professor. Um, yeah? How serious advice are we talking? I just think up front <laughs> we should tell the people in question, don't follow any of our advice. Period. It's what are you good talking idea. about? Why would you not listen to advice from a two-foot-tall troll who weighs 90 kilograms? <laughs> all right, so, first letter. <clears throat> Dear Downloadable Concept, I have realized of late that I'm not happy with my current job which is working for the government. Especially with recent events in the world, it seems to me like what I'm doing may not actually be the best for me, and I don't feel like I'm being supported in my aims. While my personal life is full of people, they are all literally employees from work, and that is exacerbated by the fact that my position is reasonably senior, and I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable by intruding on their pastimes and hobbies just because I happen to be in charge of them. What's more, some of the really technical pastimes or a kind of swaggering, loud, belligerent dorks, and that makes it really awkward since I need to hold them to a higher standard. I'm really worried about the possible direction my job is going to take me, even as there's been a lot of talk about how my division isn't likely to last beyond our current assignment. What's more, our workplace is just not good for mental health, as it seems almost everyone on my team has some form of dad issue, which has resulted in some late-night drinking sessions that might not be healthy. Even my personal quarters are a gift from one of my higher-ups, which means even at home I'm reminded of how I'm ultimately beholden to this one government workplace, which, given one of my friends is a criminal and another may technically be an assassin, is really awkward. Do you have any guidance for what I should be doing about a new possible direction in my life? Signed, Lost in Space. Okay, so she's lost in space. Uh, I mean, obviously my first question is, which government? Uh, I, I just have a letter. Damn. I, oh, it's just a letter. I you, I, all I've got is a letter. For some reason, I mean, I was- no one... I was thinking Princess Peach the whole time until you mentioned space. Um, yeah, it, it mentions lost in space, uh, a government job. Um, like, how would I, I? I think personally, I think that this is the, the idea of changing your career is a perfectly legitimate one, and this person should feel definitely lost in space. Should definitely feel free to to try something different and try something new. Right. I mean, what I'm saying is is not like I'm not asking you which government. I'm asking lost in space which government because that that's the first question you have to ask yourself. I mean, what kind of impact is your government having in the world overall? I, I I'm not saying that you're wholly responsible for it or anything, but you need to take that into consideration. Now, now everything around lost in space is dorks. Lots of dorks. I suggest I suggest taking up tennis. You won't find any dorks playing tennis. That will help alleviate some of your stress. And then you can lead the revolution and overthrow your your, your terrible uh, world-changing government and um, install your own monarchy, which hmm. I think would be pretty good, especially tennis? in space. Via tennis, yeah. Is it difficult to play tennis in space? Well, I assume the ball goes really far. <laughs> Mm. Look, I'm thinking. I'm thinking any point where your living quarters are a gift from a superior officer. Yeah, I mean that is a dangerous situation to be in. You do not want the 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 place where you need to live to be at the whim of someone else. Mm. And is, is that even ethical? Can you accept that kind of a gift from a, a higher ranked employee? I, I don't know. I'd be also the. Riskiness of if you've got a friend who's a criminal and another friend who's an assassin and you're bringing them into a home that was formerly owned by a senior government employee. That's true as well, yeah. It's like all sorts of trouble just waiting to happen. This is Commander Shepard. Yes, it is Commander Shepard. So we have another question. We have we have another advice question. Okay. Okay, what's our final advice to Lost in Space? Sorry, Jeb? We we have to give uh I suggest uh that you go with the green uh, selection and uh, unite uh, unite uh, all uh, organic and synthetic life. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> good, good advice. Good I advice. can't see a fault with that. I mean, I, it, I mean, that's mm-hmm. as good a goal as any. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Do we want more? Uh, are we good for more? We advice? have questions. I'm super I'm down with this. I'm okay. super down with this. <laughs> <clears throat> Dear downloadable concept, I have an extremely embarrassing problem, and it's hard to really approach it. If you ever talk to someone and say, well, I'm a former child star, you either look like a total butthead and get told you're making a scene and can't wear that helmet in here. It's really frustrating, and all I want to do is get some good, robust advice from people who can really identify with my problems without necessarily making it all about who I am. What makes it worse is there wasn't really any acrimonious thing. Our thing was just less successful, and that's all there was. I did get a tiny bit of cameo work, but there's actually someone who I helped make famous who's now kind of bigger than me, if you can call it big. It's silly. The point is... I feel ignored. Particularly, I feel ignored because there really isn't anyone in the world I know who's as smart as me. I did have one friend in school who was one IQ point mine, higher, but really it's not important. And I did obviously meet John Carmack, but he's more interested in rocketry and that's very ho-hum for me now. Oh, come the on, problem you're... is, the last time I saw this rival, it, it was just before our project got dropped and now you can't even legally get it. Heck, last time I saw him, he had my babysitter. <laughs> Please, Downloadable Concept, do you have any ideas for how I, a brilliant young man in the prime of his life with an excellent skill set and a history in games that's extremely important, able to make people appreciate what I did and do for them every day? Signed, The Last Martian. Have you... Have you considered hatchets plus Nazis? <laughs> so so you're, supro- you're proposing a new direction of career that involves hatcheting Nazis. I, I, I mean, think, there's, I think there's always a market take, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't use his name. Uh, I, I think that I think that the the last Martian should should take after his his descendant and uh, take a hatchet to some Nazis. I'm sure there are still some to that that have crawled out of a hole in the ground somewhere uh, mm. that you could definitely uh, stick a hatchet in or stamp on their face with a pogo stick if you want to give it your own personal touch. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I see mentions of a of a helmet. You know, you're clearly already traveling around uh, equipped and engaged. You could, you could, you could definitely headbutt the hell out of some out of some Nazis with a helmet. I think also pogo sticks mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly good for core strength. Mm. Uh, this is, gets overlooked a lot. Um, actually, a pretty good way to get around to exercise. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, we have one more. Just one more. Uh, should we should we tell the listener who that was? <laughs> who was? That? Are we going to tell the listener? <laughs> If, if I'm following Fox, correctly, Fox I believe Bellicus. that was a certain Billy. Yes, Billy Blaze. Yes. <laughs> and finally, dear downloadable concept. I, oh, I've read a little ahead, so I'll try to an older voice. Dear downloadable concept. <laughs> I hope this letter finds you well, unaccustomed as I am to these strange and ornate arcane devices. Nonetheless, my quill is guided by a heavy heart and armored hands that seek guidance from those who know well the mending of friendships. I have not been a good father or husband and my loss of my family left me overly focused on achieving things for their own sake. I was once a member of an elite group, too, with people with whom I felt I had some commonality, though I resigned my charge after a change in leadership. What I am most curious about, however, is that given your investment in these games and gaming formats, this this, this person put quotation marks around games and gaming, as a way to build friends... Why are you writing to us?! As a way to build friendships with other people, what might you consider an optimal starting place? Do you know any games that you would recommend for one such as myself? I am somewhat competitive, I fear, and greatly appreciate a challenge, but I am somewhat tired of being asked to make difficult choices about to whom I am allied. I am an older gentleman with somewhat calloused hands from a life of hard work, a fondness for traditional things, and I like horses. Signed, A Man from Diane. So... First things first, uh, if you're competitive but you don't like um, choices of allegiance, obviously any game with hidden roles or anything like that is just right out. So any trader-based game, definitely oh, not right, payday. sure, yeah. Look, um, I'm going to suggest if you are that competitive, you probably ought to try something cooperative, especially if you want to be a better husband and father. Mm. Like, you're going to have to learn to play nice with people who are in your life permanently and, and will always be there and, and it's your job to relate mm-hmm. to them emotionally mm-hmm. and that's why uh, you should take up esports nice yeah we, esports is generally seen as a young person's game but yeah okay sure so uh, as, a, as a team exercise show those young whippersnappers what's what I'm, I'm talking about I I think that I think that that this 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 gentleman could be the next sensation go to a League of Legends tournament in your armor 
<laughs> oh yeah, I mean you've got a gimmick already. That'd be that's dope. cool. Go with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that, and that, that you seems like would a really cut good the sickest promos. Seriously, <laughs> my dude, get in on this. All right. Yeah, that's oh, that sounds we like know movie. some people who can get you get you signed up with uh get you you know <laughs> uh get you inside the League of Legends community. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can make this happen. I think we can. Uh, I think I think we can really light this fire. No, well, get get back to us, uh, um, a man from Diane, and we will totally see what we can do to help you out. All right, uh, and that's all the letters we have for now. Um, does anyone want to, do you want to hazard a guess? I have no idea who we were talking about. Really? Yeah. Fuck. I thought we were going for Kratos, but uh, no, no, that changed uh, what, eventually. What about you? What about for you, the Jen? Longest, you got it? For the longest time, I was thinking Lord Gwyn, but then you said the ending, and I. Mm. And Dayan is Fire Emblem, but that doesn't sound like anyone I remember in particular. According, okay, so this is the kind of research I had to do. This is a guy called Toroneo from Path of Radiance. Sure, yeah. Who is an old? Yeah, he's I know. One of the Four Horsemen of Dayan. Uh that's just a nickname. And this was all <laughs> constructed out of the fucking <laughs> wiki entry. So, and I knew you both had played Path of Radiance, so I thought this might be it. Oh. Well, Jeb might not have encountered him because he doesn't show up till like right at the fucking end of Path of Radiance. Fuck. <laughs> and his class. Sorry, Radiant Dawn doesn't show up till right at oh, the end of Path of Radiance. Path of Radiance. He's a bit sooner on. Yeah. His class in game is Commander. So that we have. wrong. Acco- according to the wiki, and he is what a is Commander his, what, class. What are his character. color affiliations? I. God damn it, I didn't write that down. <laughs> uh, he's red to start with and then you recruit him. So he's red and then he's green. Okay. Sorry, red and then he's blue. Okay. I don't think he's green army at any point, though he is in Radiant uh, Dawn. So, 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 uh, so the reason I bring this up is... Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, the reason I bring this up is because uh, that we we have Commander Shepard, Commander Keen, and Commander Toroneo. Oh my god, there was a running theme as well. Quizmaster Talon has put some thought oh, into this. <laughs> I think it's... I think there may be a translation going on there. Yeah. I think he's a general in the version oh, of Oh god damn like the the armor class characters, they start off as something armor, and Aww. then I think they go general. I think there's a third tier in Radiant Dawn that might be commander, but this is what I get for relying on Wikia sources. Hey. <laughs> All right, I so... can be I'm remembering that wrong though. It has been a Look, bit of a while if, since if... I was in uh, since I was in Tellius. <laughs> go on, Jeff. Yeah, it's it's been it's been forever since I've since I've played Path Radiant, so it doesn't matter what his title is. I wasn't going to get it. Um, but uh, my, informa- my 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 advice still holds. Go and main Reinhardt. Yeah, no, he, he does make me think of Reinhardt. I gotta agree with that. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway, everyone, that was the downloadable concept podcast again, again. Thanks to the support of again? patrons like you. Uh, we've been able to do this and do all sorts of extra fun stuff and build on what we've been doing and put in more time for research and getting information from people like our advice column, which was very helpful. Um, so, <laughs> and maintaining a decent server. Yes, which so do we do an asymm- do we some do we do we do an asymmetrical outro now? Like that? Yes. W- like now that you've started talking, uh, you know what we do. And then do. Fox and I have to have like a little argument while you're rambling. <laughs> We set up an email address for the advice column. <laughs> I, this is in my power. I am the master of webs. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see about uh, <laughs> setting- advice at DLC If you if you are a video game character and you have a question for what you'd like us to, if you have an issue you'd like us to address, I'd really appreciate it if you could send an email to advice at DLC that's us. And we will do our best to answer it on the air with your inclusion. All right. Certainly will. Okay. Uh, that was the Downloadable Concept Podcast, as ever always. By the way, I interrupted you thanking our patrons. <laughs> that was Fox. I think we're going to do an asymmetrical one, so it would be like, that was Talon, that was Jeb, and I've been Fox. <laughs> like a bunch of little kids. But that was Talon, <laughs> and I've been Jeb, and that was Fox. And I'd oh, like to shit. thank our patrons for all their support for that concept podcast. We love you patronizing us. <laughs> oh, dear. <clears throat> oh, shit. I never said desirable crotch mounted harpoon cannon is my OK Cuban profile name. Oh, no. Ah. <laughs> oh, 
I actually, I actually am laughing. And this cut. isn't the frustration <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I sense this is going in a unique. Di- See that you follow follow the course of my horror as I go. What the shit? It sounds like someone actually sent us a serious question. No, this is a show where we make fart noises. <laughs> fart fart noises. Fart noises sounds like a bad. Idea. <laughs> what did you do?